Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. We've tried to help over these past many months everyone to understand a little bit more about this difficult book. And our purpose in preaching through the book of Revelation, which is not always an easy book to preach through, uh, requires a lot of study, a lot of meditation, a lot of time. Um, uh, the reason we do it is to motivate all of us to share the love of Jesus with our family and our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors uh, as we find out more about the events that's going to take place out of the book of Revelation. It should alarm us and cause us to tell others about Christ. Um, let's talk about celebrations for a minute. I, I think we all like celebrations. In fact, what have you recently celebrated in your life? What's something that you've celebrated? Perhaps it's like the Aguilar family. Uh, I always uh, I always try to recognize um, uh, babies, but they didn't want me to recognize their babies, so they sat in the balcony this morning. However, I have the, I have the microphone. If the Aguilars, uh, Damien and Sabrina, could you guys stand for just a moment? This week, they had little Harmony born, and here they are. They're in church this morning, and what a celebration that is for grandparents and family. We certainly congratulate you. We celebrate with you. Perhaps it's a celebration of a birth of a child, or perhaps a a marriage, or maybe it was a championship victory in some big uh, volleyball, basketball tournament, or maybe you had an earned degree, and you celebrate that. Uh, Many of you would know that there's some types of surreal celebrations that come out of difficult or terrible times. There's enough people here that would understand this illustration, and we would journey back to the year 1945, and there was a celebration that took place that year. Our country had been at war. We were in World War, and we were fighting that demon of war named Hitler in Europe, and Hitler had begun to lose the battle, and the Allies advanced, and Hitler saw that the tide was turning, and, and re- history records that he committed suicide, and we won the victory in Europe. However, we were still fighting the Japanese in the Pacific in that theater of war, and and there are some here that would remember uh, that it was announced that we had dropped that dreaded atomic bomb on Hiroshima on August the 6th of 1945. However, the Japanese did not surrender. They continued to fight on. Three days later, we dropped another atomic bomb on Nagasaki, and then the Japanese declared that they would unconditionally surrender. There in Tokyo Bay, aboard uh, the battleship Missouri, uh, they signed an unconditional surrender agreement. It was September the 2nd in Tokyo Bay and September the 1st back here in the U.S. of A. And it had been reported that throughout the United States of America, people began to fill in the streets. Can we even imagine that today? We all have smartphones. We all watch it from our phone or our iPad. And back then, that wasn't even a thought. It hadn't been created yet. People poured out into the streets. The newsboys, something novel. 
Uh, they took their newspapers and they were literally shouting, extra, 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 read all about it. The war has ended. And people didn't know what to do. And people were shouting and they were laughing and they were hugging and, and all the boys were, took this occasion to kiss the girls. Uh, there was celebration in the streets of America. And people called it V-J Day. Uh, and it means uh, Victory Over Japan Day. And I uh, love history. I love reading history. And I read this type of history with in interest. And you may think I'm weird. That's fine. But I love reading history. By the way, we're not teaching history anymore in our schools. I think it's important that our young people know history. I think about this, and, uh, and there was a celebration, but there's a day that's coming that's going to be a different kind of celebration, and all of the celebrations that we can imagine today, they're going to pale in significance to a day that's coming. Oh, it's going to be a VJ day. It's going to be a victory in Jesus day. And it's coming. And that day is going to be the day that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes. It's going to be an amazing day that takes place. And so with this in mind, I'd like for us to read our text together. I think you need exercise, so let's stand up again. We're going to read our passage of Scripture together in a responsive. And I, I like saying this uh, because it, it sounds like really super spiritual. We're going to read the whole chapter today. Entire chapter of Revelation chapter 15, we'll do a responsive reading. That means I'm going to read the odd verses. You'll read the even verses. Pastor Jonathan will help us here. With the, you follow him in the even verses. Verse number one, and I saw another sign in heaven. Now, let me just stop there. We've been going many months now. There's so many signs and wonders, and there's seals, and there's trumpets, and there's judgments, and it can all run together. Here we go again, and I saw another sign in heaven. Great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked... And behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave up unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God, and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now let's look up here. Can we just be honest with each other? Do any of us understand a word of what we just read? I mean, let's be honest. Do we understand seven of this and seven of that and seven of... 
What in the world did we read? And by the way, Pastor Armstrong, don't you know this is all future? Why in the world are we talking about? I'm not planning to even be here. <laughs> I'm not planning to be here during this time. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, you have a relationship with him, we will not be on planet Earth during the Great Tribulation. So why in the world are we looking at this? I tell you what, I, I think it, the reason we look at it is because God gave it to us as a warning about what's going to happen so that we might be bold enough to tell others that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is what's going to happen to you. So folks, let's listen carefully this morning and allow God to use and to stir up the message. We'll make it applicable to today uh, where we can. But also, I want you to know that your Bible is alive. It is a living book. This will happen. It's not, a, it's not a fantasy. Father, would you help us to understand your word? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? That means controlled by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that if there be one among us who does not have a personal relationship, today they might get victory in that area of their life. If there's one who's struggling with you, the concept of God, may they understand how true and awesome and amazing you are. Father, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. From our passage today, I'd like uh, for us to examine three victory principles that lead to a grand celebration. That's what I referred to er earlier, a celebration. Now, there's an interesting story that I read about the composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, Bach was a musical genius, but he was known for loving sleep. He would compose music and he slept. That were the two things that he loved to do. And it drove his children crazy, according uh, to history. Uh, his children discovered an interesting way to wake up dad from his sleep. And they would go to the piano, and they would play one of his compositions, and when they would get to the last chord, they would stop, and they wouldn't play the last chord or the last notes. And it would always wake him up. And it would always drive him crazy. Well, let me just illustrate it for you. Please, please. That's what, how his children would, uh, oh, let's thank Tabitha. Thank you so much. She practiced hard for that. <laughs> That's what his children would do. They would, they, they would, dad was always sleeping, and so they would play one of his pieces, and then they wouldn't play that last note. And always, it woke him up out of his sleep. He would go over to the piano, and he would play the final chord. In some similar way, I think all of us are waiting for the last note. We're waiting for the last chord to be played. All of us are waiting for the song of victory. All of us are waiting for us to be able to escape this dark, fallen, evil, sinister world that we live in. And so that brings us to our, ver our first victory principle. And we read that here in our passage of Scripture in Revelation chapter number 15. Victory principle number one is this, and don't miss this. The Word of God is solid. The Word of God is solid. We read about that in verses 1 and 2. There is a beast who is coming to the future who's going to control everybody and everything during the Great Tribulation. 
These verses speak of the Antichrist who one day is going to systemize regiment and he's going to put all of those who are left behind together. As I've said before in this study, the Antichrist will turn the world into this vast concentration camp with all of the inmates numbered. And we read these people are doing something, however, that is different than what the Antichrist would want. And the Bible says they're praising God because they've gotten victory. There is a group of people who will refuse the mark of the beast. There is a group of people who will trust Christ who have never heard before. And they've gotten victory over the beast. They've gotten victory over the image that we talked about last week. How did they get victory? Well, the key is seen right here before us. Look, if you will, verse number 2. Let me remind you, the Word of God says, they stand on the sea of glass. What in the world? No one can stand on the sea. What in the world is the sea of glass? Is it not talking about the ocean? It is not. It does refer, however, to a great basin, a, a laver that was in Solomon's temple that was referred to as a sea. If you want a, a scripture to compare, you could go to 2 Kings chapter number 7 and verse 23. Uh, this verse says of Solomon that he made a molten sea. It was called a laver or a basin. And it, here's why it's significant for us today. It symbolized the Word of God. My friend, never get over this fact that the Bible that is in your lap, that Bible that is on your phone or your iPad this morning, it is the Word of God. Never let us get over that. Never let us get tired of that. Before the priest would go into the temple or the tabernacle to worship in the Old Testament, he would first wash in the labor that symbolized literally the word of God cleansing him from all sin so that he could walk into the temple as a holy person. Now allow me to give you another scripture this morning that would point this out. The Bible speaks in the New Testament in Ephesians 5 and verse number 26 of how the Lord cleanses and sanctifies his church. It says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by what? The Word of God. And so the Word of God is the fulfillment of that symbolism in the Old Testament. It is referred to as a sea. But I also want you to notice, in that day they washed in it, but now here in the book of, Revela book of Revelation, they're not washing in it. The Word of God says they stand on it. It has crystallized. Uh, what does that mean? It says it's a sea of glass like unto crystal, and it's before the throne. Picture with me. Now we have all of these saints who have come out of the great tribulation. Many of them have now been martyred. We have already established the fact that those who do not take the mark of the beast, those who do follow Christ, many of them will be beheaded. Whether that's by a sword or a guillotine, the Bible does not say, but the Bible does say that those in the great tribulation who follow Christ will be beheaded. Now the Bible says they're standing uh, on the word of God, this crystal sea, this sea of glass. So what does it symbolize? What does it stand for? I ask you this morning, do you want victory in your life? Is there anyone among us that said, no, I want to be a failure? We want victory. Would you like to live in victory today? And I don't mean in the sweet by and by. I mean in the nasty now and now. Would you like to live in victory? Well, you can only live in victory as you learn to stand upon the solid word of God. 
My friend, you cannot circumvent the word of God and be successful. When Joshua was in the land of Canaan, God gave him a formula for victory. And the story is told, and it has gone on for millenniums, and it is as fresh as tomorrow's headlines. The book of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says simply this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why is that? That thou mayest observe to do according to all all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Here's what's God telling you to do in the office tomorrow. Here's what God's telling all of these students to do at school tomorrow. Do you want to live in victory? Do you want to gain and celebrate a victory? Victory comes by the Word of God. And the Word of God, according to Joshua, is to be in your mouth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Do you want to gain the victory? Learn to quote, learn to speak the word of God. When you verbalize it, you vitalize it. Keep the word of God in your mouth. It's interesting, reading history again, there's a story uh, of John Bunyan's salvation. By the way, we saw salvation conversion, becoming a Christ follower. The fact is, I enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. When John Bunyan gives his, gave his testimony and how he was converted, he became a Christian. It was very interesting. He was overhearing, eavesdropping, listening to the conversation of some ladies who were talking. And as he was listening to them talk, they were talking about the Word of God. And according to John Bunyan, the Word of God convicted him, and he, he was converted even though no one directly told him about Jesus. He was over listening to these ladies talk about their relationship with the Lord. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. If someone were to eavesdrop on your conversation, would it ever lead them to Christ? If someone were to listen to your conversation, is the Word of God in your mouth? Now, reading the Word of God will bless you, and memorizing the Word of God will bless you. Meditating on the Word of God will bless you. But please listen carefully. We're talking about victory. I want you to have victory this morning. These saints who have been martyred in Revelation chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, they're standing on the solid Word of God. We're talking about standing on a sea of glass. Friends, you must obey the Word of God for that that flame that it will bring to become alive and to burst in your life. When you read the Word of God, the Word of God speaks to you, and God gives you commands to obey. God gives you victories to overcome. God gives you comfort. But listen, if you ignore the Word of God, you cannot live a victorious life. May I ask you this question? And all of us being transparent, when's the last time you actually read the Word of God to see if God could speak to you. And I don't mean reading the Word of God because we just read it as we stood uh, together. I don't mean that kind of reading. I'm saying that I took God's Word and asked Him to speak to me. You need to make up your mind. I will obey the Word of God. And I promise you, as surely as I'm standing here before you this morning, that the Word of God, a flame will burst forth in your mind and in your heart as you obey the Word of God. Jesus Christ even said this in John 14 and verse 21. He that, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is 
that loveth me. You want to say that you love Jesus Christ? You can say it all, all, all day long. But you want to demonstrate your love for Jesus Christ? You obey the Word of God. You can take all the notes in your Bible, and you can, and you can have a Bible that's marked up. But Jesus said, when you obey my Word, that is how you say that you love me. Again, in John 14, Jesus said this, He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest or make myself known unto him. Reading the Bible gives you knowledge about God, but obeying the Bible gives you knowledge of God. There's a lot of people that have a knowledge about God, and there's a fewer number of people that know God. Do you know God this morning? God can become real to you. So how do you gain? How do you celebrate victory by standing on the sea of glass? We're not going to physically stand on the sea of glass, but here's what we do in this world. We stand on the Word of God. In this generation, uh, we both wash in it and we stand on it. In heaven, guess what? We won't need to wash in it anymore. But for all of eternity, we will stand on the Word of God. Here's victory principle number two I'd like to share with you this morning uh, that I find out in Revelation chapter number 15. And that is, is one that we've done already today, and that is the Word of God is singing. The Word of God is solid, but the Word of God is also singing. The Word of God is singing. Uh, victory sings uh, uh, of the works of God. Just a reminder that we read in verses 3 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, And they sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. What in the world is John talking about? Well, that's why we have the Word of God. It gives us the answer. What is victory song? It's not saying that we have, uh, that we have done, not singing what we have done, but it is, it is it's truly seeing and singing the works of Almighty God. What were they singing about? The works of redemption, the song of Moses, the song of the Lamb. What is the song of Moses? Well, guess what? The song of Moses is the very first recorded song in all the Bible. And you'd have to go back to Exodus chapter 15. You could read verses 1 through 19 at your, at your leisure. It's the song that the children sang when they were redeemed from slavery, left the land of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea, and they sang. Do you remember that story, that episode in the Word of God? We have some brand new people here in the Bible. Uh, the Bible teaches us a story, a documented story in history that there were some two million people that left Egypt. They, they traversed across the desert land. We can relate to that. They had no water. They had no food. God provided both. Then the Egyptian army was surrounding them, coming to kill them. The people did not know what to do. God parted the Red Sea, and they crossed that two million strong. And then here's what happened. They sang a song. It's a, a song of victory. It was a song of redemption. 600,000 male voices singing the chorus and all of the women and children singing the refrain. It must have been a glorious sound. I cannot imagine what that must have sounded like. They were singing. Um, it's the first recorded song in the Bible. The last recorded song in the Bible is the song of the Lamb. And both of these songs speak of redemption. Friend, only the redeemed can truly sing. Are you redeemed this morning? 
Oh, the world makes a mockery of singing. The world sings the, uh, the songs of the devil. But I'm saying the redeemed, those who know Jesus Christ, they have an unusual ability to sing a different song. You can tell a lot about people when you listen to their songs. Thank God for singing this morning. Thank God for our children who sang this morning, our teenagers who sang, our choir who sang, and many of you who sang. I'm thankful for that. And the way that you celebrate the Lord Jesus is to sing about his good works. Did you uh, take note of that first song? We sing about him because we adore him. Guys, we don't adore anything. That's a, a word that we don't use, adore. Do you know what? I adore my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can't help because he gave his life for me. Because Brent Armstrong's dead in his works Brent Armstrong is dead in his sin, and Brent Armstrong deserves a place in hell. But thankfully, Jesus Christ, he redeemed me. He redeemed you. How can I not help but sing about him? Praise the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And if you've been redeemed, uh, we're to praise the Lord. And we're not supposed to sit like some wooden statue in church and never singing, never praising the Lord. I don't know where we got that from, that it's cool not to sing in church. May I just tell you, it's cool to sing in church. And we need to be a singing church, never ashamed to sing. Praise the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto him. And if you've been redeemed, I encourage you, next time you have opportunity, praise the Lord through song. And if you don't praise, you're not going to have that victory. And if you have victory, then uh, you can't help but sing. By the way, the Bible says this. Not only is it solid and not only is there singing, but the Bible clearly says there's going to be a lot of singing in heaven. So if you don't like to sing right now, I don't know what's going to uh, cause the button to flip between now and, and time you go to heaven if you say you're saved. But if you don't like to sing now, you need to start practicing now. Because when you get to heaven, you will sing. The Bible says that all of us, we're going to stand on that crystal sea. We're going to stand on the solid word of God and uh, we are going to sing. We're going to sing the song of Moses and uh, we're going to learn the song of the Lamb. And, uh, and the Bible says that, that in the Old Testament uh, when they crossed the Red Sea that Judah went in first. You know what Judah means? Praise. Judah was praising God when they went in. It is praise that precedes every Every victory. It's praise that follows every victory. And the, the Bible says the children of Israel, they sang about the works of God. John Linton said this, There are as many commands in the Bible to sing as there are to pray. Now we know we're supposed to pray, right? There's not a one among us who would disagree with that. We just looked at that uh, uh, in, in uh, last Sunday um, uh, or Wednesday when we talked about learning how we're supposed to uh, pray even over our food. It's a scripture command. We know the Bible is full. Pray without ceasing. Do you know there's as many commands to sing? And yet some of us today, we didn't sing. We're to sing. We are to sing. Even if it's a noise, we're to sing. You can read in Acts chapter, let me just illustrate this morning. We have plenty of time. Over in Acts chapter 16, there's a story in verse 22 through 26 about two guys, Paul and Silas. And here's what they were arrested for. Do you remember what they were arrested for? Preaching the gospel. That was their crime. 
for telling other people about Jesus Christ. And they're thrown into a Philippian jail. In verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, it says that it was midnight. And the Bible says this, that Paul and Silas, do you know what they did? They did what? They sang. The Bible says they sang praises to God, and the jailer heard it. Um, now, you talk about jailhouse rock. There was an earthquake there, and, and the Bible says this, that God set the prisoners free. That's what took place. Now, I wonder, let's, let's, let's just do this. Uh, help me out here. I wonder if you had been there rather than Paul or Silas. I wonder if your attitude would have been there if Paul and Silas had not been with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it would have went something like this. Paul says, Silas, you awake? Of course I'm awake. How could anybody sleep in this filth? Paul says, you don't have to get huffy about it, Silas. Silas says, well, I've got a headache. Paul says, well, well so do I. Um, Paul, how did you get us in this mess anyway? Paul says, now wait a minute, wait a minute, Silas. I want you to know that I could have had a position teaching at the University of Tarsus, you know. And uh, I, I sold the Damascus Tent and Awning Company for almost nothing to get into this. And um, uh, what have you done? And Silas responds, well, brother, I've been following you, and I think you're one of the poorest leaders I've ever known. We're in jail. And here they began to bicker back and forth. That jailer, he was listening in. He says, just as I thought. These are a bunch of phonies. What they have is not real. They're, they're absolutely no different than, than I am. Is that what happened? But I wonder if that's what would happen if we were in their shoes. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says this. Paul says, hey, Silas, you awake? Silas says, hallelujah, brother, I'm awake. Paul, how do you feel? Paul says, uh, Silas, I'm having victory in Jesus. You mean with those stripes on your back, Paul? Yes, sir, Paul said. And uh, you mean we're here in prison? Yes, sir. Hey, Silas, I feel like singing. What shall we sing? And Silas thinks for a second. He says, why don't, why don't we sing? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Why don't we sing? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And friend, the Bible says they began to sing, and when they began to sing, the place shook. I believe that it's not taking too much liberties. I believe that God sent one of his earthquake angels and caused an earthquake. And friend, when they began to sing, when they began to praise God, God did something. You've got problems this morning. We all do. How about pulling some of those groans out of your prayers and, and shove them into some hallelujahs? And, and if God gives you a victory, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. It's time that we praise the Lord. Don't groan. Don't grumble. Let's praise the Lord. Hey, that flat tire, praise the Lord. It's an opportunity to witness to someone. I don't know, I've had too many amens on that one. God forbid that this church, Tucson Baptist Church, should ever fail in our praising the Lord. 
I'm telling you, evangelism is as much caught as it is taught, but people come in here and they see you, praise the Lord, they're going to look around and they're going to see a bunch of Christians like that uh, Philippian jailer, and they're going to say, man, these folks believe that stuff they're singing. I wonder, church member, let me be a little direct with you this morning, church member, we have visitors here today. Oh, please don't be upset with me, but let me just ask a transparent, honest question. Would I... Our visitors watching you sing today, did you praise the Lord? Did you praise the Lord? Or did they see the grumbling Paul and Silas that I alluded to in my illustration a little while ago? Well, here's the thing. I want people to believe that when they come into Tucson Baptist Church, I want them to believe that we love Jesus through our singing. And um, victory principle number one is the Word of God is solid. We're going to, we are going to stand on the principles of the Word of God at Tucson Baptist Church. They will in the tribulation time. The Word of God is singing. And whether you like singing or not, we will all sing one day back to Jesus. So start practicing now. Victory principle number three is this. And I don't want to end on a down note. You're not supposed to do this as a preacher. But this is where the Word of God takes us. The Word of God is severe. The Word of God is severe. I want you to remember that we're talking about a celebration this morning. In this celebratory passage, they celebrate the Word of God. They celebrate the works of God. They celebrate the wrath of God. This is a great severity that's included in the Word of God, so there must be something for our learning. There must be some reason that this was put in here so that we can gain some truth from this. Would you... Go back in your Bibles and, and, and go ahead and look at this in Revelation chapter 15. Look with me, verses 4 through 8, and, and uh, that little section right there. Here's what's happening. The temple of the tabernacle in heaven means the holy of holies. Uh, it, it is open. In particular, look at verse 6. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. One of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials. That's a lot of sevens. Vials, V-I-A-L-S. If you want to uh, substitute that word, bowls, B-O-W-L-S. Uh, uh, they're they're in, used interchangeable here. Um, he says that they're full. Now watch this. What are they full of? The Word of God says that they're full of the wrath of God. I don't want us to lose sight of this. The Word of God is severe. How do you celebrate victory? We have to celebrate uh, by acknowledging the Word of God is severe in its revelation. What, is it, what does that mean? There will not be one scintilla of an iota of sin that will ever go unpunished. May I just tell you that you say you're living in sin and I'm getting away with it. Uh, you say, where is God? I, I see so much sin. I see wickedness and I see rape and arson. I see child abuse and I see pillage and I see blasphemy and I see war. And there, we can all ask an honest question. We ask this question, where is God? I think it's an honest question. Our society is falling apart. And the dear, sweet United States of America that I so dearly love is falling apart. It's out of control. And soon, should God tarry in our lifetime, we will have to make a decision, will we follow Christ? And I just want to say, yes, we can ask the question, where is God? But I want to reassure you where God is. God is on his throne. 
God is on his throne. And you can be certain of this, that every sin one day will be taken into account. Every sin one day will be punished. Your sin will be punished. The only question is, who's going to bear the brunt of that punishment? Your sin will be pardoned in Christ or punished in hell. Your sin will be pardoned in Christ or it will be punished in hell. But it will not, it shall not, it cannot be overlooked because I serve a righteous and a holy God. Nobody's sin is ever overlooked. All sin is dealt with as the Word of God teaches us. And here in Revelation chapter 15, these people were standing on the sea of glass. They were standing on the solid Word of God. They were singing about the amazing works of God. And they see the severity of the wrath of God. And they understood that God will put the final period upon the final paragraph, upon the final page, upon the final chapter, upon the final history, uh, uh, a book in history. Our God is an almighty God. He has temporarily allowed Satan to have his rule and reign in this earth. I don't understand why. I don't have to understand why because here's what I know. God is still on the throne. And these seven angels now come from the temple. We read that in verse number 6. And understand this. These angels are coming to judge. The word of God is severe. It does not leave us guessing. It's a righteous judgment because they have white robes. The Bible says it's a sovereign judgment because they have golden girdles. And the golden girdle represents the priest and the king. It's a solemn judgment because they have the bowls of wrath, and we will look at that in the coming weeks. It's a sure judgment because the Bible says that no man could enter into the temple until God is finished. The place is filled with smoke. Smoke speaks of that judgment of God consuming the sacrifice, and the Bible says that no man, no woman could approach. It's almost as if God is saying this, and I say this respectfully, God's saying, stay out. I'm busy. Don't interrupt me. It's my time to judge this world. That's what's taking place in verse 6, 7, and 8. Here's what I want you to take away. You do not want to live during this time period on earth. You want to live during this time period in heaven. And if you're here today, you know not Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I can offer you no hope what might take place for you if you were to go from this life into the tribulation period having heard the message this morning. We've seen seven seals. We've preached about what each seal delivers to this earth. It's going to be an awful time. We've examined seven trumpets and many messages ago and how it's going to be an even worse time period on earth. I'm here to tell you there's coming seven vials, seven bowls of wrath that God's going to pour out on the people who are left in this earth, and it is going to be an intolerable time on earth. And if you are here, you will not survive it. But I've shared with you before, and I'll share with you again, God never overlooks sin, and I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who paid the price for my sin. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who paid the price for your sin. And I've said it earlier in the message that your sin will be pardoned in Christ or it will be punished in hell. There is a way that you can have victory this morning. There's a way that you can celebrate victory and you can stand on the solid rock of God's Word. You can sing of the amazing works of God and you can escape the severe 
wrath that is coming to planet Earth. And uh, I just want you to know that if you will place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will be spared. Have you done that before? I trust that would be your testimony. If I could do it for you, I would. As I've prayed over and before this message and, and, and as I've preached it the best I know how, and God sent me to tell you this, my friend, that he loves you and he wants to save you and that he will save you if you will only trust in him.